0: are in a series called Stay Focused, and what we're talking about is this idea that life can get kind of complicated, that things can get um, disjointed, that we can get um, especially uh, coming out of COVID. I know that we, we, I I know we're not out of COVID. We have a bunch of people in our church who have it right now, but you know what I'm saying. Just out of that, that whole season just felt heavy, and it felt uh, uh, like there was just lots of polarization and outrage and just, it just felt heavy. And so as we come out of there, we want to make sure that we stay focused. And so what we're going to do for the next few weeks is I'm going to share and walk you through our mission statement for Living Spring. And so if you're new or you just started watching online or whatever, this is a great time for you to watch so you can feel Learn what we're all about at Living Spring, why we do what we do, why we do it the way we do it. And uh, our mission statement is uh, to reach our neighborhood and surrounding communities with the love of the Father, to restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son, and to respond to a move of the Spirit. So I'm going to show you a little diagram here. Uh, A lot of it I stole from Saddleback. Right? And so we are, until the, that, gets, that litigation gets uh, finalized, uh, I can still show it to you. Um, but basically, uh, I stole it from them because everything starts with C. And if you're a pastor, that's what they teach you to do in seminary uh, get, get them started. So it's basically these different bands, okay? And we start out um, the first band is the community. So we want to reach our community. Uh, Now, our community can be our neighbors, which we do a really good job of uh, serving. It could be uh, anybody uh, in the kind of context of the neighborhood church. But for those of you who are watching online, you say, John, I don't live in Garden Grove. I don't even live in the state of California. Our community would extend out to you as well. And it's basically anywhere any of you have an impact. It's like if you go to your work, I would put your work as part of the Living Spring community. And so that's, uh, that's the first one. The second one is the crowd. And this is basically people who show up. So whether we're doing uh, community Christmas or we're helping with the school across the street or we're doing those things or maybe just showing up online. Maybe Living Spring isn't even your church home, but you just like, uh, catching up on what we're doing and what we're preaching on, and all those things—that would be the crowd. And then you have the congregation. These are people who call Living Spring their church home. If you said, "Do you go to church?" Yes, I do. What church? Living Spring. That's that's the congregation. Now now some. The frequency by which you attend is, uh, uh, doesn't have to be every week, okay? For some of you, you might say, Yes, I go to church on Christmas and Easter in Living Springs, my, my church home. Th- that's fine, no judgment. You're part of the congregation. And then uh, there's the committed those are the people who are regular attenders, they're regular givers, they're kind of what make the church itself run, they're volunteering at different things. And then there's the core. And the core are those people who are tithing, they're volunteering, they're on the board, they're helping set up. Those are the core. So for example, so last night, yesterday, our sound guy tells us, calls me and says, I can't run sound. Uh, And our other sound guy is uh, out of town. So, um, so last night, I came in and started setting everything up. And then I made a phone call to someone from our core, Jeremy, that I knew would be here at 7 AM to help me. Um, yeah, yeah. And I also want to thank Jairo. Thank you very much. He's running sound right now uh, from our Hispanic brothers and sisters that meet right after we do. So thank you, thank you so much for that. We appreciate that. So that's our core. So basically what we do is when we say reach and restore and respond, we reach our community and crowd. And so this would be where you, hopefully your life is changing at such an extent that when you're at work, people go, "Wow, you know, you're a lot more patient than you were a year ago, right? Well, you're reaching your your business. So you might say, your neighbors might say, wow, um, thanks for the cookies. I really appreciate it. Now, we, we often think of reach as you have to evangelize or share your testimony. That's a part. That could be a part of it, depending on who you're talking to, when you're talking to them and all. But that, that's the reach part. And so we reach these two bands. And then we do restoration. This is when we start applying the teaching from God's word We start applying the principles that Jesus has modeled for us. We start applying uh, the things that say, you know what, my life right now is not the way it's supposed to be. We call that restoring, getting us to the place we were supposed to be when God first created us, right? So we might call that the Garden of Eden or whatever, but when sin is removed, and we begin to operate in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of obedience to his word, and the fullness of serving one another. That is the restoration process, okay? And then finally, we respond to a move of the Spirit. So if we feel like God is calling us to do something, then we do it. So this might be this restoration part. You might be learning and learning and learning and learning. Learning is great. I love learning. I love it. But learning has to be coupled with doing. Okay. And so you respond to a move of God's spirit. And so you can kind of see how these cover the, the bands. And uh, so the idea is to take someone from a first time visitor, and that might be you, you're here for the very first time to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. Now the diagram's going to get a little more complicated because I just want to show you one other thing. You might say, John, I saw your banner outside, and it says, Belong, Believe, Be Changed, not Reach, Restore, Respond. Reach, Restore, Respond is our mission. That's what we do here at Living Spring. Belong, Believe, Be Changed is our communication to those who might be uh, coming to Living Spring for the first time. And so we want you to belong You can come in here, you can be an atheist, you can be a whatever it is, uh, and you can still be part of our congregation. We don't have a thing that you have to sign. We don't have a thing you have to, a statement of facts, okay? You can belong, you can be part of it. And we have a lot of people here that belong to Living Spring that might not even be necessarily a really committed follower of Jesus. They just like the fact that we reach people. But I want you to believe some things, and I'm not shy about it. So you can belong and maybe not believe in God at all, but I want you to believe in God. More than that, I want you to believe in his son, Jesus, and I want you to believe that Jesus is your king, and when you submit to your king, your life is restored to the way it should be. So we say you can belong, no problem, but I want you to believe some things. I want you to believe in the authority of the word of God. That no matter what it says, as wacky as it can be sometimes, and it can get wacky, that that, that's the authority of your life. Because ultimately, we want to see you be changed. So now this looks very complicated, um, but you can kind of see it. I hope it's clear enough. This is what Living Spring is all about. And it, 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 it envelops everybody of the Trinity. Our Heavenly Father who created us, who values us, who loves us. Jesus, his son, who died for us and became the payment for our sin. And then the Holy Spirit who empowers us to go and live just like Jesus would. Now, the reason I bring this up is because in the past, um, I won't go through the decades of, of when the American church, I'm talking specifically about the American church, there was kind of this idea that you were either in or you were out. You were either a Christian or you were a non-Christian. You were, you belonged to a certain church or you did not belong to a church. And there was all these criteria and all these things. And some of them were very important. But if you have ever been to a church where you walked in and you realize right away, I do not belong here. That would be an in-out type of display. And this is what the American church has done for decades. Okay. And so you've got your in people and they're all cool and, you know, holy and all that. And then you've got the world, right? The other, right? And then, and then I put this in because this was me pretty much Right here, I don't know if I'm in, out, I don't know. I never really fit in uh, growing up. So uh, that's, me, that's me right there. But anyway, that, that was kind of the idea. But at, at Living Spring, we don't see it this way. Now... Just to be clear, we do want you to make a decision to follow Jesus and be quote-unquote in. We do want you to be part of our... I'm always going to push you from being part of the community to the core. I want you to get more involved. I want you to serve more. I want you to give more, not because... I get anything from it, but because I believe that when you are doing those things, your life begins to be transformed and you begin to experience the fruit of the Spirit. The way we look at it is this. Jesus is the center, okay? And what I'm concerned about is what your trajectory is. Are you moving towards Jesus or are you moving away from Jesus? In your journey in life, are you moving towards him or are you moving away from him? That is what I feel is most important. So you have this person who might be someone who's like, they just find out like, man, I can give my life to the Lord and my life can be transformed. And they're all in. They are beelining it to Jesus. They're just straight, straight ahead, as Hebrews would say, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's, that's what they're doing. And then you can have someone who's been in church their whole life, and all of a sudden, they go. I don't know. I, I don't know if this is really working for me. Or they're like super judgmental, and so it's all about church and religion. And so they're not really following Jesus. They're more of just have a set of beliefs and a tradition that that they're doing. And so, living spring in our reach and restore and respond, especially reach, we are looking to everyone and asking them, what What are you doing? Where are you at? Not that there's a right answer or a wrong answer. I think there's a better answer and a best answer. But just where are you going? Where, where, where are you in relation to your heavenly father through what Jesus did on the cross? So I hope that makes sense. This is not an in or out church. Uh, this is a what, where are you on your journey? So you can belong before you believe. But we're going to be dead serious about being honest that we want you to believe some things. And I will preach till I'm blue in the face face about uh, what those things are and why they're important. So here's my point for this morning. Then we're going to look at some scripture and then you guys can be on your way. When the call is to follow, your only goal is closer. When the call is you must arrive... Or you must achieve, well then that starts to get to, well, what does that actually look like? But Jesus called us to follow. He said, Come follow me. And so um, uh, basically, if you look at the call of Jesus, it's come and see, right? Belong. Just come and see. Just see what. Come and follow, believe, and then come and die. That is the that is Jesus' three things. Come and see. At some point, you come and follow. The rich young ruler said, hey, what must I do? And he said, oh, you want to follow me? Give all your possessions to the poor. And the rich young ruler was like, no. <laughs> right? He couldn't get to that come and follow and then come and die. But when the, the only call, which is the call of Jesus, is follow me, your only goal is just to get closer. And my goal for us in 2023 is that when you get to the end of 2023, you look back and you go, I'm so much more closer to Jesus right now. I'm not struggling with those things that I used to struggle with. So let's see where I get this from. Uh, It's a really great section of scripture found in Luke. And if you want to look on your app or if you have a Bible program or an actual Bible, it's Luke chapter 7 that we're going to be talking about. And uh, I want to show you some really cool things about uh, what the Bible leaves out and what the Bible adds, what Luke, the author, um, writes. And I think that those things are very, very important. And, uh, and then we'll see this wonderful, wonderful woman and Jesus' response. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. Okay, so um, when you approach the word of God, um, if it speeds up, Like if just, like you're like, wait, where are they? What are they doing? The Bible doesn't, it's not that important. And when it slows down and you start seeing all these little facts, uh, then we want to slow down with it. So we know this. It was one of the Pharisees and Jesus was invited to his house for dinner. We don't know the Pharisee's name yet, but we will he went to the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. So just to give you an idea, because it's going to be important when you see the way this woman responded to Jesus. Basically, they don't sit in chairs like uh, we, you and I do. As a matter of fact, when my wife and I were in Korea visiting our daughter and our son-in-law, uh, one of the places we ate uh, had no chairs. You had to sit on the ground. And uh, my back is still sore from that, so... Um, I don't know how Jesus did it. Maybe he did Pilates or he stretched. I don't know, but he could do this. And he would, you'd basically lie back and then kind of put your elbow down or sit cross-legged or whatever, and that's where you would recline. The other thing to keep in mind is that when there was a dinner like this at a Pharisee's house with somebody of prominence, they would often have the windows open so that people could come and listen to them pontificate about theology or ideas or things like that. So this, the, the, the dinner was private, but it kind of had this public feel of people standing around listening. And so when Jesus is reclining at the table, his feet are behind him, okay? Because you're going to, it'll all make sense in a second. All right. So this is what's happening. He's at his Pharisee's house. He's reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So, okay. Now, the reason I stopped it is so, because I want to tell you how brave this woman is. If this said, John was in that town and had lived a sinful life and learned that Jesus was eating with the Pharisees, John would have left that town. And not had to expose himself to Jesus or the Pharisee. Maybe you, maybe that's you. You think to yourself, I've li- lived a sinful life. There is no way. I'm going near Jesus. I'm going near the church. I'm going near anything spiritual. I'm going to get struck by lightning. I have had people visit our church. And I joked with them like, see, you didn't get struck by lightning. And they said, Pastor, I actually was worried about that. Okay, that might be you. Not this lady. Watch. When she had... Um, Uh, uh, learn that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume now if you've read the Bible before and and, uh, there's actually two occasions where something like this happened some scholars try to fit it into one time and they try to make we know her name and we know this when we read Luke the way we're supposed to read Luke We don't know what her name is, and we don't know what her sin is. Okay, now, some scholars say she was a prostitute, and so that was her, she had lived a sinful life. Some scholars say that she was just a wealthy person that didn't care about anything, and that's why she has this expensive perfume. It doesn't matter. This is what we know. She lived a sinful life, and somehow she's got some really, Really expensive perfume. This is really expensive perfume. Okay? There she is. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. Now, as she stood behind him, at his feet weeping. So remember how I told you. That's why it's important to understand what's happening. Jesus is reclining at the table, and his feet are going backwards. And she's back behind him at his feet weeping. You have no idea how brave this woman is, the fact that she would even show her face at the Pharisee's house, the fact that she's a woman, which uh, does, you know, it's not like a man in this culture, uh, they were property and uh, oftentimes, and so she's just got an immense amount of courage, and so um, she began to wet his feet with her tears, she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now, she is out. She's not in. She's there, but there is nothing about this woman that is in the in crowd. She's on the outskirts. And look at how Jesus receives her. He doesn't shame her. He doesn't point her out. He allows her to approach him the way she feels comfortable approaching him. This is the big part of when we say our mission is to reach. This is what we're talking about. Our job is not to change that person. It is to allow them to approach Jesus the only way they might know how. Maybe it's with weeping. Maybe it's with scoffing. Maybe it's with whatever. Our job is to receive that person exactly like Jesus did. So she began to wet his feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. This is incredibly humiliating and humbling. He poured perfume on him. Now, when the Pharisee Who had invited him saw this. He said to himself. He said to himself. Okay. He didn't say this to Jesus. I want you to see this. Because what's coming next is really awesome. If this man were a prophet. uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, Mr. Pharisee. You best stop thinking that. And see what happens. He would know who is touching him. And what kind of woman she is. This is a righteous indignation that has no place when we're bringing people to Jesus. We allow them to approach Jesus on their terms. Now, so they can belong, we just reach them. Do we want them to believe things? 100%, right? But there'll be time for that. They come, they receive If he he had known who who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, what is she? That she is a sinner. (laughs) Well, guess what? This is a spoiler alert. You probably don't even believe me when I say this. You won't believe me. Your pastor is a sinner. Yeah, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. No, one time I did really sin. Uh, it was <laughs> terrible. I thought I had sinned, but I didn't. And it was, Anyway, right? Okay, you know where I'm going. Of course, of course you know this, right? This Pharisee was a sinner. Everyone watching that thing was a sinner. All approaching Jesus in the only way they knew how. And this guy, all he's doing right now, he's just thinking it in his mind. So he doesn't even say anything to Jesus. He just thinks it in his mind. I cannot believe that Jesus is letting this woman, this sinful woman, with her perfume, blah, 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 touch his feet. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Here's what happens. Oh, man. This dude is so busted. He's so busted by Jesus. So he's thinking this, right? Jesus answered him. Well, he... He, he answered him, but he didn't say anything. So like, but he, he, he addressed him. He says, Simon, now all of a sudden, you know his name. Remember in the beginning, Luke didn't want to tell us his name. Just said there was a Pharisee. But all of a sudden, his name is very important to the author because now it becomes personalized. Now it becomes personalized. Have you? Maybe, maybe you haven't. I have many, many, many times had the Lord address you by your name. It can be very frightening, especially when you know what was going on in your mind at the time that he addressed you. You were thinking of something else. Oftentimes, I'll be thinking about things that stress me out about ministry or, or, or the church property or something. Never about you guys, ever, never. But, Uh, Other people, sinners. Uh, But I'll be thinking in my mind, like, oh, man, this is John. It's like, oh, no. Now, here's what he says, Simon. Simon, I have something to tell you. (laughs) Oh, no. I have been there. I've been with Simon. Absolutely. And Simon says this. Oh, Simon says. I just thought about that just now. (laughs) I just just now. Wow, Uh, I love, ADD as a blessing. All right, tell me, teacher, he says. Now, this is very important because I I don't know how Simon addressed Jesus if he was like kind of now crossing his arms because Jesus is letting the sinner touch his feet, and he's just like, tell me, you know, what you got for me? I'm on the higher ground. Or if he did it like me, with first a gulp, and then... Tell me, (laughs) like, tell me what it is you want to say to me. And so, just like Jesus, he doesn't just answer the question. He doesn't just say, you're a hypocrite, bro. He doesn't just say, Simon, I am so disappointed in you. Didn't you read in the Torah where it says, didn't you, don't you know the Bible? How long have you been following Yahweh, Simon? No, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't shame Simon in front of everyone. Now, he, he'll get strong. He'll get strong in just a little bit. But here's what he says. And just one other thing. When you're reading the Bible, every time Jesus starts on a parable, you, you, you should say, you should take a deep breath and go, uh-oh, here it comes. <laughs> right? That's what happens. So he says, tell me, teacher. And instead of just telling him, he says, two people owed money to a certain money lender one owed him 500 denarii the other 50 so I won't get into how much all that was it's kind of immaterial but one person let's just say owed thousand dollars and one owed hundred dollars or one owed hundred thousand dollars and one owed ten thousand dollars that's not the point the point is the disparity between how much they owed one owed a lot more than the other That's the point Jesus is trying to make. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. This goes straight to the core of the gospel. There is nothing I can do to pay God back for the sin that I have committed. Whether it's a tiny little sin of just like, oh, one time I lied to my mom, or like some of the big sins, like... Uh, you know, whatever. You just, you, you, you know, you're a hockey fan or whatever. Uh, and so you, you, you're like, there's like big and small. Well, as it, as it gets to Jesus, there's no way you can pay that back. We've talked about this when I preached on forgiveness. The same thing with each other. When my brokenness hits your woundedness, there's no way I can pay you back for what I've done to you. It's incumbent upon you to release me. From that. That's where forgiveness comes from. You release me from a debt that I can't pay. With Jesus, it's the same thing. This is what we reach people with. That Jesus is accessible to you no matter what. No matter who you are or what you've done, he is accessible to you. He wants to be your king. But first he will be your savior. And we just come to him and we confess whatever those sins are, You say, Jesus, would you forgive me? I can't pay you back. And Jesus says, exactly right. So he says, neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've answered, you have judged correctly, Jesus said. And you begin to now see how Jesus views the kingdom of God. We're both equal. We both need to be forgiven. And we need to understand that we are all, all, all on the same footing. If you have left the church because you felt like your sin was above the sins of those in the church, that is incorrect. That is incorrect. You've judged correctly, he says. Then he turned toward the woman, okay, so she's back here, and said to Simon, not to the woman, he hasn't even addressed her yet. He's trying to work out all this nonsense that happens. He says, he looked and says to Simon and asked the question that is at the heartbeat of who Living Spring is as a church. I mean, this goes to the core of who your pastor is. This particular question, this is a question I am trying to get us as a church to answer every single moment of every single day. When you're at work, when you're on the freeway, when you're in your neighborhood, whatever you are doing, do you see this woman? Do you see who she is? Do you see where she's coming from? Do you see the brokenness? Do you see her attempt at just trying to get her life fixed up? Or do you just see a sinner? Do you just see a Republican? Do you just see a Democrat? Do you just see, you know, this label? Or do you see someone who desperately, desperately needs a touch from Jesus? Do you see this woman? I, I wrote it out this way, because um, sometimes I like to rewrite the Bible, um, It says this, then he turned towards Simon and said, do you see this woman? This is why at the heartbeat of Living Spring, the marginalized are the heartbeat of what we try to do around here. Because we see them, and once you see the marginalized, once you see the disenfranchised, once you see those who are called other, whether it's because of their skin color or their socioeconomic status or their culture or how they've grown up, once you begin to see them for who they are, you cannot go back. When you begin to meet people, it, now listen, labeling is so much easier. She's a sinner. He's a cheater. They're a liar. They're greedy. That's so easy. Anyone can do that. Jesus says, "No, no, no. Do you see this woman? Do you see this woman?" And then he goes in, "Don. This is brutal. You did not give me a kiss." When I came in, that would be, uh, culturally, that would be a normal thing. Uh, if you come over to my house and go to the women's Bible study with Lisa, uh, you, that is not what we do at our house. Uh, you, but culturally for them, that was the greeting, right? You'd get, a, you'd get a kiss on the cheek. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. Now, this is where Simon would go, oh, man, here we go. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming, Right? You did not put oil on my head. They would have done that through the arid desert where they would be. They would put, there'd be like a, to get dried out and they'd put oil on their head. Kind of like to freshen up almost if you would. But she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. This is huge in this culture. Jesus, as far as they're concerned, she's a sinner and Jesus isn't the one who should be forgiving sins. That's not for him to say, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. You know, I've found this too in my own life. For those who have struggled little, they're kind of entitled. They don't really see this woman. And yet to those where the struggle has been real for whatever reason it's been, again, going back to your race, your socioeconomic status or whatever, there is this deep longing for restoration. This is why Jesus said it's hard for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He says, whoever has been forgiven loves little. And then he says to her, to her, eye to eye, face to face, your sins are forgiven. Listen, just again, for those of you who are in the belong section of Living Spring where you've just been hanging around and just kind of wondering what's going on and what are they all about. That's different than some of the Christians I've met or whatever, have you? This is the goal. That you will approach Jesus at some point and you say, I can't do this on my own anymore. Would you just forgive me of my past? And he would look at you like he looks at this woman and he would look her in the eye and he would look you in the eye and he would say, your sins are forgiven. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. The other guests began saying among themselves, (laughs) again, be careful, who is this who even forgives sins? And to their credit, this would have been odd for them. Jesus turns back to this woman Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The reason reach is our first part of our mission is because the Bible says that how is someone going to know unless you tell them? How is someone going to change their life unless you explain or have made an example of your own life, that yes, you can be forgiven. Yes, your life can turn around. It's why we reach. Because people don't just come to that conclusion on their own. They need to be told, you say, John, I can't, I can't share my faith. I don't, you know, I get so nervous. Don't share your faith, share your life. Do you see this woman? Do you see this man? Tell him your struggles. Tell them what you're going through. Tell them what's difficult about following Jesus, what you're struggling with. That's what reaching is. It's about treating them, not as in or out, but as alongside. Are you going towards Jesus? Are you heading away from Jesus? As the worship band comes back up, I... uh, I wanted to give us, and for those of you who are watching online, I wanted to give us an opportunity to maybe set things right with Jesus for the first time in your life. Maybe you have had some experiences in in being a Christian or maybe some beliefs or whatever, and then you decided, I don't know. I don't need that. It's kind of a a crutch. Um, I always laugh just Whenever anyone tells me that my religion is a crutch, I'm like, yeah, because <laughs> my legs are broken. Like, I'm broken. I need a crutch. I, I mean, why not have a crutch that works like Jesus, right? I mean, what's your crutch? You could be medicating. You could be doing all sorts of stuff, right? And so maybe for you, it's just like, yeah, it was a kind of a crutch, but now I, now I know better and now I'm self-actualized and I got all this kind of stuff. And it's just not working for you. I just want to lead us in a prayer. Maybe you've been a Christian for a very, very long time, and you're like, I, I'll pray that prayer every day. It doesn't matter to me. Basically, the prayer is just that you're admitting that you're broken. You're admitting you're a sinner. And that Jesus has canceled your debt through his death on the cross. And so... Um, uh, I'm going to lead us through this prayer. And then when we're done with that, um, we're going to have a time of reflection. And so uh, as Talia plays uh, a, another song, you can come up to the, to the stage as just an act of submission and kneel down and just say, Jesus, maybe, maybe for you, you're just like, ah, I love this story. I remember when I was exactly in that place that that woman was in. Oh, thank you for saving me maybe you might want to pray or sit in your chair or come forward or if you're online, even if you're in your, in your living room, you might want to kneel down by your couch and say, Lord, I remember when I was one of those Pharisees. That was me. That was me. I was Simon. I remember when I used to look at people like that. Thank you for breaking my chains of that labeling and judging and thinking i'm smarter with the bible than anyone else and all that nonsense maybe you say for the first time in your life i'm ready to go i'm ready to begin to follow jesus i'm i'm like that one dot that was up here i just i i'm just ready to go you just pray that So I'll I'll lead us in a prayer and then we have uh, some people at the cross that'll be praying and maybe you just want someone to lay hands on you and pray you've got something that you're really struggling with, something that's really on your heart. So you want another individual to just pray for you. We can do that as well. But I'll lead us in this prayer and then um, then there'll be a time of of space and then we'll, we'll go ahead and get on out. The prayer that I pray when I just recommit my life to Christ is is something that goes like this, and you can repeat it to yourself after me. You can just think of it in your mind or whatever. But I've just always found it helpful to remind myself to say, Dear Jesus, I am sorry for trying to live my life my own way. I'm sorry for my mistakes. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for my trajectory. Sorry for my selfishness. Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Would you make me whole? I want to follow you. I want to be like you. I want to be a different person everywhere I go. In your name. Amen. Hey, before I uh, send you guys off with the blessing, um, there was one other thing I was thinking about in that section of scripture. That Jesus, everywhere he went, smelled like that lady. That he was willing to take on that fragrance. And let's just say, let's just say she was a prostitute just for the sake of, maybe you're in that camp of scholars, I don't know. And somebody smells that smell and they go, it's a trigger for them. And they turn the corner and there's Jesus going, you don't need that. You don't need that. And so for you, I don't know what your trigger is, whether it's a smell, a sight or whatever, The freedom that we have in Christ is the things that used to attract us to something in the world. He takes and he says, you don't need that anymore. So now, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray you would go in his peace and his strength and his wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it. Have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.